So it's a show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Loreline Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. My name is Kyla. And I am Taylor. This is our most favorite podcast of all. Thank you so much. It's so <laughs> great to be back on another episode of a show where we don't sing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, how wrong were we? Yeah, very wrong. But this time, there's there's a purpose. I mean, there's a definite purpose. Oh, it's thematic. And it's not just because it's a dangerous business. Like back in our Ishtar episode. <laughs> that was epic. Yeah, just before we started recording, I was telling Kyla, that's maybe one of my proudest moments on the show, is learning how to play that song on a digital iPad piano. And then singing it. Terribly. Yeah. No, it was beautiful. I think Thank it showed you, so you truly care. Yeah. However, it did not show that I belong on Broadway. Eh, but was that your goal? <laughs> uh, no. I don't my goal at all. It's fine. This, was, this podcast was supposed to be your career launch point. <laughs> Um, hey, before we dig into things, did you see the exciting news today? No. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, 20 Emmy <gasps> nominations. Oh my word. That's 20. amazing. That's a lot, right? Yeah, including Best Comedy, Best Lead Actress for Rachel Brosnahan, all sorts of exciting things. Do you remember the Emmys last year? Yes, uh, guys, I will have to share a link to it in this Tumblr, but last year at the Emmys, Kyla and I watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel win Best Comedy together, Yeah, and Kyla lost her mind a little bit. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I mean, that and The Good Place, like, it, it was going to be a win-win, but that was amazing. Well, get ready, because guess what else was dominated this morning? Ayo. The Good Place, including for Best Comedy, which it has never been nominated for before. Oh, okay. It has only been nominated for Ted Danson and for Maya Rudolph in a guest role. Hmm. And they were both nominated as well as Best Comedy and for Best Writing. And I thought Kristen Bell was nominated last year. Mm-mm. That's oh. also a crying shame she hasn't been. But she's a delight. She was nominated yeah. at the Golden Globes, however. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Well, yay Emmys. When do those happen? They air Sunday, September 22nd at 7 p.m. Central Time. Well, then we have some time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no rush. Yeah. We'll be good. So I know that I'm not the only person to recently parody a Sound of Music song. I hope everyone noticed that Ariana Grande, like, stole... The Seven Rings intros music from The Sound of Music. I just, I hope that people notice that. Oh, for sure. But, like, I feel like some people didn't. And it just seems like a a crime to take something of such beauty and use it for. I spent a bunch of money with friends. Here's my song about it. However, I was an offender of this a generation ago. Do you remember when Gwen Stefani... In her peak primetime, released the song Rich Girl to the tune of Rich Man from yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. Girl. Yeah, but she made that better. Better than Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah. Okay. Whoo, shots fired coming at us. <laughs> I can hear them now. <laughs> Want to make it clear, not everybody on this podcast shares every opinion. <laughs> she turned that into a jam. Well, it is a jam. I love the song. However, I did not know of Fiddler on the Roof's classic song about mm -hmm. being rich until my mother told me as we were listening to it. Well, you know, I remember finding out that it was from Fiddler on the Roof years after the fact as well. So it just came out at a time when we were not uh, so in tune with the finer arts uh, of life. 
Yeah, and perhaps this is the entryway for people with Ariana Grande. Yes. We can only hope. Sound of music. Watch it. Enjoy it. Or maybe even watch the Broadway version, (laughs) which uh, segues into what we're talking about today. Yeah, speaking of the finer arts. We're talking Broadway today because Gilmore Girls episode 316, the big one, is filled with Broadway references. Mm -hmm. And it's coming from a character you might not expect Broadway references to come from unless we told you that it was to mock people. Then you might guess. Yeah, that I can believe. There's some logic there if you know the character. (laughs) Well, should we talk about this episode of Gilmore Girls? I think we should. This episode is Gilmore Girls 317, the big one. It aired February 25th, 2003. And we got a short MDIB summary here. Yeah? How short is it? Two sentences, one line (laughs) on my Google Doc. Rory and Paris finally hear from Harvard. Lorelai and Max meet again. Hmm. Not wrong. Just very broad. Yes. All right. And sadly, those things happen. <laughs> in these broad references, they do not mention Brad Langford. No. The star of this episode. Honestly, the star of my heart. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Brad. He is only in a handful of Gilmore episodes, but every time he appears, he truly shines and makes my life better. He is so funny with how scared he is of Paris <laughs> and how he tries to stand up to her. I know. Oh. I think it's because Paris is the kind of person that would really intimidate me. So Brad is someone I'm living vicariously through when he stands <laughs> up to her. But one of their moments together... Brad trying to stand up to Paris. Paris beating him down. She decides to, I don't know, uh, get on his level, Mm -hmm. but in a very mocking way. Brad just came back from being on Broadway and Into the Woods, Mm -hmm. which I guess you're allowed to do as a high school student, take time off. Maybe he had a tutor. I don't know. I think there are definitely ways that People like Disney and Broadway will pay to make kids available to do entertainment business things. Yeah. (laughs) That was a very vague way of saying it, but (laughs) I'm certain there are ways that can be arranged. Yeah. So they're talking, let's see, they're all going out for the big speech that's going to be on C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. And what happens next? And Paris decides she wants to try and get in Brad and pretty much everyone else around hers head. Oh, I almost forgot to welcome back Brad Langford. He returns to us fresh from Broadway where he's just completed a successful run of Into the Woods. Welcome back, Brad. Thank you. It's good to be back. Sit down, Mary Martin. You're blocking the list. What's that? Will we please move so you may sign up for the speech contest? Why, yes, Paris, we'd be happy to. How kind of you to phrase it in that very respectful manner. You going to move? Or do you need a five, six, seven, eight? Paris, this time on stage has been a very growing experience for me. I'm no longer intimidated by you or people like you. I'm thrilled to hear it, Cheetah Rivera. Move. Well, Gilmore, I certainly hope you're signing up, too. It'll be my last chance to trounce you at anything at this school. My decision to do this will in no way depend on you, Paris. I'm only saying it won't be a totally satisfying victory just beating Jerome Robbins and the rest of the losers here. I'd really like to take you down also. Boy, she is really up on her theater references. Kyla. Taylor. What did you think when you heard all this hullabaloo about Brad in Into the Woods? And going out for speeches on C-SPAN in which you might have to face Paris Geller? Um, you know, it becomes clear that these people are related to Broadway, but I didn't know how. Although the name Cheetah Rivera, I mean, does that not just sound like a performer's name? Mm-hmm. Cheetah Rivera! Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, Mary Martin, that's... Pretty normal name. Yeah. So yeah, it didn't really stick out to me. I would agree. I mean, I knew what Into the Woods was. Mm-hmm. I had not seen any production of it when I watched Gilmore Girls for the first time. I have since seen Into the Woods, the film, with our own Meryl Streep. 
in a role that it seems like she can sing. Unlike Mamma Mia. Sorry, Maddie. If you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) then we don't want you to come after us. However, I've heard of Jerome Robbins. And honest to goodness, that's about it. I think Mary Martin I could have easily mistaken for when Tristan was calling Rory Mary. Mm, Another insult, Mary. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, since Jerome Robbins is the person who you most knew, maybe other people did as well. Should we tackle him first? Oh, let's do it. Jerome Robbins. He, the man, the myth, the legend... He is, was, he was a choreographer for Broadway and the Bat New York Ballet. He was, was pretty well known, worked with a lot of people. A lot of people wanted to work with him, loved working with him, hated working with him, you know, ran the gamut. So basically a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. He's received four Tony Awards, five Donaldson Awards, extra credit if you know what that is, an Emmy Award, the Screen Directors Guild Award, and the New York Drama Critics Circle Award, which sounds very difficult to be in because it's New York, it's drama, and they're critics, and you're in the circle. Yeah, there's a self-proclaimed in and out. <laughs> you're either in yes. the circle or you're not. Guess what? I'm not in the circle. One day. (laughs) In 2018, people, I wasn't a part of it, but other people celebrated the Jerome Robbins Centennial Celebration. The world supposedly came together to celebrate his centennial. (laughs) I love that you say supposedly as if allegedly this happened. (laughs) I mean, it's on the website, but... So, to celebrate what would have been his 100th birthday. Okay. He was born in 1918, died in 1998. There's a whole lovely website, jeromerobbins.org, with a strange video at the top, which looks like some choreography, but, like, it just looks like kind of some people got together in a park and decided to recreate this, and they're, like, swaying, and you can see the row behind them go in between their heads, but it's, like, not on a stage. So I'm like, who are these people? Is it, like, a Jerome Robbins-themed flash mob? Um, maybe. It was really short. Like, it was just, like, they got up, and then they swayed. And then Jerome Robbins' face. And that was the whole centennial celebration? Well, no, that was just top of the website. Oh, <laughs> got it. Okay. Um, but anyways, just at the top. So, <laughs> super important. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> no, I was feeling that. a little bad for Jerome <laughs> Robbins. <laughs> what a way to celebrate. <laughs> Three seconds of dance. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man. But keep scrolling because, <laughs> because there's more. I have a nice little video, which actually, awesome little nod to this Gilmore Girls episode where... Paris says, oh, are you, can you move or do I need to do a five, six, seven, eight to Brad? And this video starts with a countdown. Very nice. He has a nice line about how he views choreography. To a choreographer, an empty stage or an empty rehearsal floor where you begin is a rather awesome place because it's where you begin, where you put your first mark down where you take your first step. And it's sort of like a painter deciding where to put the first line down on a canvas. It's thrilling. I'd never thought of it that way, but yeah, you have this, like, this song, you have these people. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. So I like that. But he talked about in the video how when he gets music for a show, he will just listen to it day and night, when he wakes up in the morning, when he goes to sleep at night, so he can't miss a single nuance, a single note, because he has, like, memorized it. That is intense. That's, like, eat, sleep, thinking your job. Yeah. I feel like I'd get really tired of that music, but... (laughs) Better be good music, then. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And he probably got good music. I suspect so. I think it, of it kind of like method acting. Mm-hmm. But he also talked about how he 
always viewed his choreography as like a collaboration with the dancers. So he gets the framework, the basic idea, but then when he puts some people together, he wants to see how do their bodies actually interact. And, and then he kind of, you know, works and builds on that. So it sounded really not knowledgeable. Been doing this for a long time. And his Broadway shoot, his Broadway shoes. I'm sure he had Broadway shoes. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Really fancy leather loafers. <laughs> <laughs> Little tassels. All right, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday next year. <laughs> yes. His Broadway shows, rather, included some that you, you might have heard about, On the Town. Oh, I love that uh, film musical. Gene Kelly, oh, Frank right. Sinatra. There Honestly, you go, your boys. Dream Team. Oh, and Vera Ellen. Oh. Who you might know from White Christmas. Now I do. <laughs> <laughs> Billion Dollar Baby, not to get okay. confused with Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, that's not a musical, and it's very sad. <laughs> I've never seen it. Don't watch Million Dollar Baby unless you just want to feel sad about everything. Oh, okay. The guy dies, doesn't he? Oh, there's so much death and sadness. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. High button shoes. Those are probably his Broadway shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and one, uh, let's see, East, I mean West Side Story. Oh, snap. Little well known, The King and I, mm. Gypsy, which Gypsy, uh, Amy Sherman Palladino recently bought the rights to, so I've been listening to the soundtrack, getting ready yeah. for whatever she does. She's helping make the film production, I believe. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Peter Pan. Okay. Miss Liberty. Call Me Madam. And one that we were talking about earlier Sound of Music. Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah. She was making money hand signs at me. That's how I do. (laughs) We understand each other. Sometimes. (laughs) And then his last Broadway production in 1989, Jerome Robbins Broadway. A little egotistical if you ask me. It won six Tony Awards, including Best Musical and Best Director. Which I guess if it's that good, you can name it after yourself. I guess. But as Taylor, you have famously said, at least to me, never meet your heroes. Oh, yeah. I've also said it on this podcast because more than once I have been impressed by someone and then found out they're kind of not a great person. Yeah. So apparently Jerome, pretty terrifying. Ugh. Pretty cruel. That was kind of the common word. This is an article from the New York Post. But also, do you remember the little Un-American Activities Committee? Talked about many actors being blacklisted. Ah, yes. The good old Joseph McCarthy days. And by good old, I mean not great. (laughs) So he was actually kind of into that. Into commie stuff. Like, he really was. But he dropped names so quickly. Oh. And mostly his fear... The reason why he was so quick to drop names, his biographers kind of came to this conclusion. It was less about being blacklisted and more about being outed. Because he was bisexual, had relationships with men and women, like known men and women. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, get out of my business, don't want this to come up. So, I mean, I'm not giving him a pass on outing other people, but, you know kind of why he was like all right let's move on but he was into a method school of acting which kind of makes sense with how he took on his the music that he was choreographing one time like there's a story of him yelling at actors on stage and he was walking backward and no one told him he was close to the edge and he fell into the orchestra pit like no one even tried to stop him <laughs> sitcom episode okay uh, yep and like when they were rehearsing for west side story he would have the characters kind of, like, be at odds, you know? Because, of course, that is all about... Oh, yeah. Tons of conflict. So he would actually have one of the actors, like, beat on another one. And the guy was like, hey, you're kind of... The doctor says you're loosening my lungs from my ribcage, so be careful. But I can't tell Jerry because he'll be mad. And Jerry's response, though, to this was, so hit him in the head. You won't hurt anything there. I don't feel like he understands human anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a, the face. Never the face. Yeah, that's a pretty important quality in a choreographer, but okay. 
Hmm. Yeah, so it was actors who played Maria, and mm-hmm. she would hit the actor who played Tony, Ooh. her brother. Actually, Tony is her lover in that, in West Side Story. Bernardo is her brother. Oh, okay. She would hit Bernardo. Got it. But many people were like, he launched my career. I loved him. So much knowledge. But he was pretty, pretty mean. One of those actresses? A one, Cheetah Rivera. (gasps) Is that a perfect segue for what I want to talk about next? I think it was. Okay, well, get ready, because Cheetah Rivera can't wait to talk about her. And it's not just because her birth name was Dolores Contita Figuerera del Rivero. Ding! I know. She was born in 1933, and she's still living today. And she got her start thanks to Jerome Robbins. Ayo. Mm-hmm. So she actually started taking ballet lessons when she was seven years old. And then she went to ballet school on a scholarship at George Balanchine's School of American Ballet. I hope I said that his name correctly. My apologies to George if I said your last name incorrectly. <laughs> And she studied there for three years, and then in 1952, she went on her first national tour for 10 months in the Irving Berlin play, Call Me Madam, which we just talked about was part of Jerome Robbins' canon as well, and he helped pick her for this show. Hmm. She was in the chorus, and this play was starring Ethel Merman, who you might have also heard of. Yeah, what's she from? Ethel Merman, you might know for singing songs like There's No Business Like Show Business. Yeah. I Get a Kick Out of You. Everything's Coming Up Roses. She's been in movies like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which I just watched recently. (laughs) And Airplane, which is too funny. Yeah. Anyways, after she starred with Ethel Merman in Call Me Madam, she came back to Broadway and she was in the choruses for Guys and Dolls in Can Can. And she continued to do more plays, including some off-Broadway productions. But her real breakout came when she originated the role of Anita in <gasps> West Side Story. Yeah. Another Jerome Robbins connection. And she said in an interview that if she had to pick a favorite role, it would be that role. She thought she was passionate, earthy, faithful, and motherly. I loved playing her from the first moment. It was a very exciting time in my life, and it became even more so when I had my daughter in 1958. Hmm. So it sounds like there was a good tie-in with her personal life. She did not get cast as Anita in the film version of West Side Story. That was Rita Moreno, who is also wonderful. Hmm. But she has a really, I think positive perspective on how things worked out she said i didn't feel as badly as everyone thought because i got bye bye birdie on broadway with dick van dyke if i'd done Mm. the film i might never have met dick i don't even like to think about that because we became such good friends and we are still to this day nice see that's good something else came our way Mm -hmm. i was just like when julie andrews didn't get the broadway version of was it Sound of Music or My Fair Lady? Or she didn't get the movie role of My Fair Lady. Yeah. And she got Cinderella, which Aww. is wonderful. And she ended up, and this actually stings a little for me because I love Audrey Hepburn, but she still be Audrey Hepburn at the Oscars against My Fair Lady mm. for Mary Poppins. Yeah. So it all worked out. Yeah. And Chita Rivera, she has been in a lot of major plays. You also might know her for originating the role of Velma Kelly in Chicago. Oh. Yeah, so she got a little cameo in Chicago, the 2002 movie. Obviously, this was years later of her being in the play, so she wouldn't still be playing that role. Another notable fact about Chita Rivera, 
She is tied for the most Tony nominations for a performer with Julie Harris. And she has won three times, including for West Side Story and for a play called Kiss of the Spider Woman in the 90s. (laughs) And she won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Plus, she's also won a Kennedy Center Honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and basically, she's a big deal. Yeah. Can I tell you one more fun fact about Cheetah Rivera? Mm, only if it's super fun. Oh, it's super fun. When she danced in West Side Story, she got this bump on her forehead and she didn't understand how she got it. And then she realized it was because when she was leaping, her foot could reach all the way to the back of her head. And <laughs> because she was so flexible, she would accidentally kick her forehead and get a bump on it. Whoa. I know. Isn't that insane? Yes. As someone who struggles to touch her toe, I really admire this quality in her. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that. Also, I need to correct something I just said. She did not win her first Tony for West Side Story. That was her first nomination. She won in 1984 for The Rink. And while I haven't checked, I'm pretty sure they're not talking about a disco roller rink like in Xanadu. <laughs> what kind of rink? You ask all these good questions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh my gosh. It is kind of like that. What? Kyla, I assumed this was not the inspiration for Xanadu because we did not discuss it in that episode. However, I just want to read you the description on Wikipedia. The musical focuses on Anna, the owner of a dilapidated roller skating rink on the boardwalk of a decaying seaside resort. Oh my god! Who has decided to sell it to developers. Complicating her plans are a prodigal daughter, Angel, who returns to town seeking to reconnect with the people and places she left behind. Through a series of flashbacks, revelations, and minimal forward-moving plot development, <laughs> the two deal with their past and their attempt to reconcile and move on. Oh my. So basically Xanadu. But yeah. she won an Emmy for it, not a Razzie. Oh, well, good job. And I just said an Emmy, I meant a Tony. <laughs> what if someone named their kids Emmy, em, Emmy and Tony? I'm sure it's been done, statistically speaking. Yeah. And Golden You Globe. mean Grammy? <laughs> no, Golden Globe. Wait, that is an Oscar. No, Wait. it's not. Golden Globe is, is something else. It's not in the EGOT. Oh. The G is for Grammy. Uh. Sometimes I know things. (laughs) You know things a lot of times. I feel like people (laughs) have realized that by now. Taylor knows all. Well, let me tell you what I don't know about. Mary Martin. You wish you knew. Well, you're about to find out, Taylor. Woohoo! It's my lucky day! Mary Martin. My last name used to be Martin case anyone wanted to know. So that's a fun fact. She won four Tony Awards. So I don't know what your girl Cheetah... Three. You know, three. Mary's won four. That's a big deal. Yeah. What did she win them for? Don't ask me that. What did she win them for, Kyla? (laughs) Oh, wait, I do know this. (laughs) She won, in 1948, a special award for the touring production of Annie, Get Your Gun. Because it spread theater to the country while the original performances were still happening in New York. (laughs) So, good job, Mary Martin. And then three Best Actress in a Musical Awards. 1950 for South Pacific. 1955 for Peter Pan. And 1960 for The Sound of Music. Very nice. That's a lovely repertoire of shows to have been in. Yes. Like, high quality. Mm -hmm. Guess which one was her favorite? The Sound of Music. Wrong, but it would make sense that you would think that because of my love for Sound of Music. Peter Pan. Oh, well, that's also fun. And her reasoning is awesome. It's because she says she's always felt like a little kid. Oh, Well, yeah. she got to be one there. Yeah. They said she could croon like Bing Crosby and she could imitate Fanny Bryce. Ah, oh, from 
our favorite Barbara funny girl. Yeah, so her son didn't know this, but glad I found it out. Otherwise, someone would have been like, really? You missed it? It was Larry Hagman, oh. who we mostly know as Tony Nelson in I Dream of Jeannie. Yes, that's her son? Yeah. What a fun connection. Very fun. So I watched a little interview with them, and she was almost on Dallas, and she would have played her, Larry, her son's mother in Dallas, but she turned down the role, or she, or no, she didn't get the role. So, almost played mother, son in a show. Kind of interesting to hear them talk about their relationship as two actors and family members. And Larry was five years old when I was on the stage in New York, and uh, in Leave It to Me, and it what this was the way it was. And then he's had his career and a wonderful he, he's having a wonderful career, but he has something for his children that I never did have because mine was so concentrated in the theater. But he brings his children from the beginning up with him. It was never away from me. That's true. Uh, I, I guess I learned from you that you really have to be with your children. Yeah. And, and whenever I'd go on location, I'd take the whole family with me. Because, in, you know, in our sure. business, especially in films, you could be in Acapulco for six months or Russia or someplace. And if your family's not with you, you just you don't see them and it breaks yeah. up the thing. So I've been overly close, maybe. And, uh, He's a fabulous father. That's really good. You know, it's it's You've got to ask the children. I don't know, but they seem to, to like it. But... I can see how I've compensated from the lessons I've learned with her. But I have always been cur- a little curious about, like, when parents and their kids become actors. And then I'm like, what's your relationship like? And are you able to handle it better? Because you're a little more used to it. So, anyways, one more fun fact about Miss Martin. Mary Martin starred with Charles Boyer in the play Kind Sir on Broadway. And that was later made into the Cary Grant Ingrid Bergman movie Indiscreet in 1958. And Ingrid Bergman we know from Gaslight. And I literally just watched that movie like two weeks ago. Seriously? Yeah, what are the odds? It was <laughs> free on, side note, not a paid ad, Canopy. It is a great app. You can tie it in with your library and watch movies digitally for free up to 10 a month. And that's how I watched Ooh, it. Ooh, lovely. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun movie. Well, that's what I got on Miss Mary. Mary Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? <laughs> that is the <laughs> nursery rhyme. Oh, okay. Now, Kyla, before we ask ourselves, what the heck was Paris Geller talking about to Brad and Rory and at all? Which I realize is redundant because and is in the at all. There's another Broadway reference in this very episode of Gilmore Girls that I think is relevant to our conversation. Prove it to me. I will. This is a reference Lorelai drops earlier in the episode when she and Rory go to Luke's diner and realize he's got new menus. Here. New menus? Very fancy. Why'd you get new menus? It was time. But I had made little doodles with my name hidden in them on each one of the old ones, just like Hirschfeld. Sorry. It took me years to hit every menu, and these have super heavy plastic over them. How am I going to doodle? Has it ever occurred to you that the super heavy plastic is there to discourage the doodling? Uh, who the heck is Hirschfeld? Well, let me tell you. Al Hirschfeld was a caricaturist who documented and depicted tons of people and shows on Broadway Hmm. for years and years and years. And years? Mm Mm-hmm. Many years. And I always got to give a shout out. He was born in 1903 in St. Louis, my hometown. Grew up there. But he moved to New York at age 12. While he did spend some time in Europe. And he worked for movie studios and their art departments. The thing he is best known for and spent most of his life doing was drawing for the theater section of the New York Times. So in 1925, he drew a caricature for Playbill that ended up being published by the New York Herald Tribune. And then four years later, he had been published in several different places. He then signed an agreement with the New York Times, and he produced drawings for them until he died in 2003. Wow. 1929 to 2003. Wow. Yeah. That... (laughs) 
That's what, 73 mm-hmm. years? 74? That's amazing. So in this time, throughout his life, he made ten to 12,000 works of art. And in his New York Times obit, they said that in his career, he probably saw more shows than anyone else in this time. Hmm. Because his illustrations appeared on the paper's drama pages every Sunday, with just a few exceptions, for more than seven decades. Hmm. And the way he did this, he did not want to disturb anyone while they were watching the show, so he found a way that he could draw with the lights off. He would sketch in the dark with shorthand notations that he would draw on a piece of paper in his pocket. So people wouldn't even know that he was doing it. So it was like he was making notes to himself saying, like, draw it like this, da-da-da-da-da. And then he would wow. draw it beautifully after, after he saw the show. He Wow. Yeah, I know. He did several other things throughout his career, like designing book and record covers. He also designed 15 postage stamps and wrote several <laughs> books. But that is his main thing, is caricatures of people on Broadway. But I liked this. He called himself a characterist, not a caricaturist. So it was something like, mm. I'm just finding the character in these people. And I really like this quote from him. He said, it is never my aim to destroy the play or the actor by ridicule. The passion of personal conviction belongs to the playwright. The physical interpretation of the character belongs to the actor. The delineation in line belongs to me. My contribution is to take the character created by the playwright and acted out by the actor and reinvent it for the reader. Hmm. I, wow. Yeah, I also watched a documentary that was made in 1996, and it was not the most exciting documentary, but it was very informative. <laughs> it's definitely like something you would watch in an art classroom and then have to take notes on and write a paper about. <laughs> but I thought this quote from him was interesting. I have discovered that I think in line so vividly that when I paint, I'm thinking of drawing. I mean, it's not accidental that the great graphic artists come from the Far East. Japan, China, they're all graphic artists. In those countries, the sun bleaches the color out, so it leaves everything in line. It's all light and shadow. And the shadow is pure, it's black and white. It just sounds like he was very thoughtful. Yeah. Well, and that is essentially his reputation. People, most of the time, were not offended to be drawn by him, even if they had some really exaggerated features or didn't look attractive. It sounds like there were a handful of people who were offended, but eventually it became a great honor to be drawn by him. And I'm just going to throw on the quotes because I just kept finding great ones. These are from a couple playwrights you might have heard of. Terrence McNally said, No one, quote-unquote, writes more accurately of the performing arts than Al Hirschfeld. He accomplishes on a blank page with his pen and ink in a few strokes what many of us need a lifetime of words to say. And Arthur Miller, who wrote Death of a Salesman and many other well-known plays, said, Everybody looks interesting in a Hirschfeld drawing. That's because Hirschfeld found everybody to be interesting. Hmm. And you have many opportunities to see this in addition to a Google search. Kyla, I have a little document pulled up, and I will be sharing all of these on our Tumblr. But if you pull up the little document right in front of you called Hirschfeld Drawings, you can look at it and see some people you'll recognize. Whoa, there's Jerome Robbins. Uh-huh. And directing all the little dancers. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Mary Martin! As Peter Pan. <laughs> I didn't even know you were going to bring up that role. Oh, my word. She looks so goofy. Mm-hmm. Found a couple of Cheetah Rivera. Oh, okay. And yep. look at that. There's Barbara Streisand, <gasps> including... Barbara. In her role of funny girl looking at the real Fanny Bryce. Wow. Ooh, I love that. I love the... Where she has the big black hair mm-hmm. and the fur. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And then just a couple that are not related to what we've talked about today, but there was a cool character (gasps) of the Beatles. Oh, yeah. And here's our Murder, She Wrote connection. (gasps) Take a drink. Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Gypsy. Nice. How would you describe these drawings, Kyla, as someone who has seen them for the first time now? 
Um, definitely accentuated features, exaggerated, I should say. Mm-hmm. Maybe a big nose or a long neck, you know, arms just taken as long, stretched out as far as they can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say really exaggerated, but like in a whimsical, like not demeaning sort of way. Mm-hmm. I also like that in the Beatles caricature, I can tell who everybody is, even though they all have the mop haircut of the 1960s. Like, you you could say their names? Yeah. Can you? All right. John Paul George. Yeah. Wait, that's three of them. Yeah. That's better than the last two times. (laughs) That's not one name. I was thinking like it was John Paul, oh. and then I just, but then I realized no, those three different. So cool, I got three. You got three, which is better. We'll give it to you. That's better than the last two times we tried. And Ringo. Oh my Stop. gosh, you can name all four Beatles. I'm so proud. I can of name you. all four Beatles. <laughs> one of them with his first and last name. <laughs> you can find these on our Tumblr, but you can also find his work in huge art museums like the Met, the Whitney, the National Portrait Gallery, the St. Louis Art Museum, of course, and he has a star (laughs) on the St. Louis Walk of Fame. Oh, nice. Also, he earned the Medal of Arts from the National Endowment of the Arts. He was inducted into the Academy of Arts and Letters. He has two Tony Awards, and they renamed a theater for him, the Al Hirschfeld Theater. Wow. So people liked him. Yeah. And now, I think I'm going to tell you probably the most endearing thing about Al Hirschfeld. After his daughter was born, his daughter's name was Nina. Actually, still is. She's still living. He decided to celebrate by hiding her name in some of his artwork for the New York Times. And he was planning to just do it for a week or two. But people started looking for them. And loved it. And it was like a little game. So he continued to do it for the rest of his career. Oh my goodness. And he knew that people really liked it because one Sunday he decided not to put any Ninas in there. And then people wrote letters saying how frustrated they were that it wasn't in there. So at some point he started putting a number after his signing on the artwork so that people would know how many Ninas to look for. In the artwork. Oh, my word. Are there any in the drawings that you included here? You know what? I'm 100% sure there are, and I was not able to find them because they're pretty discreet. So we will post these, and if you guys can find any Ninas, please let us know. Because, like, on this Cheetah Rivera, I see a three. On this other Cheetah Rivera, I see a two. Mmm. On one of the Barbaras, I see a three. So I know that these are in there. I just haven't found them yet. Crazy. I want to play this game. Mm-hmm. I feel like on the first cheetah, maybe one is like using her dress and her legs. Mm-hmm. Like I can kind of see. Yeah. Huh. I am sure we can find a place where they all are. That will tell us. <laughs> yeah. And if you are especially good at finding Nina's, you should know that maybe you should be in the army because the army adopted them as a training exercise. And if bomber pilots in training could find the Ninas, that was a way to show that they had good detection skills and they would be able to detect hidden targets. Apparently Hirschfeld was not a fan that his art was being used this way, but say <laughs> lovey. Cool. Well, I love that he drew specifically Broadway stars. Mm-hmm. This was his claim to fame. Yeah. That's great. So we ready to talk about how all this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? Oh, I sure hope so, because I feel like otherwise we're going to need to take an intermission. <laughs> the jokes. <laughs> so, well, I the Hirschfield one, that's kind of cool because... At first, I was like, oh, okay, so he, you know, made little quick drawings. Well, they look kind of quick, you know, sketched Mm -hmm. out. So, you know, drawn in the menu. But it's actually about the Ninas. I know. 
So I think we kind of skipped over the part where we said, what did you think this meant? But I had no idea about the legacy of the Ninas. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. So, and I didn't even know who Hirschfeld was. That was the one that went completely over my head. And now that I know that he was making a little tribute to his daughter, how cute yeah. is that? Yeah, I love that. Luke, don't change the menus. <laughs> I've got all my Ninas in there. Actually, it's Lorelai's. <laughs> In the Hirschfeld documentary I watched, though, his daughter was interviewed, and she said, a lot of times people will say to me, oh, you're Nina. <laughs> it sounded like she gets a little annoyed by it, but at least it's for a fun thing and not for a sad thing. Yeah. So how about those other references, though? Jerome Robbins, Mary Martin, Chita Rivera. Yeah. What do you think about this? Because none of them had anything to do with Into the Woods, as far as I can tell. No. I Which, I guess I kind of would have thought that Paris would stick with Into the Woods, but I couldn't find any connection mm -hmm. with my people. And that, I mean, sit down, Mary Martin. She was Peter Pan, so she flew uh, rather than sat. Oh! So, like, that was the one kind of loose connection i could think of Mm hmm. i mean paris says i'm thrilled to hear it cheetah rivera after brad says that he's had a very growing experience he's no longer intimidated by paris or people like paris i mean cheetah rivera was known for very bold roles she anita on west side story is not someone that is afraid of people neither is velma kelly in chicago mm-hmm and what about the Jerome Robbins? Yeah, that one's a little different because Brad was not a choreographer. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jerome performed a little bit, but I mean, he moved on to choreography. Yeah. Very quickly. So, I mean, she's calling Jerome a loser. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't really think, yeah, he was mean, but I don't think he was a loser. Like, he was kind of a winner. Yeah, pretty successful. So, it's almost like she's putting Jerome Robbins and all the other people on the same level. So, it's kind of a compliment. I don't know. <laughs> although, where she's saying, you're not the performer. You're, you're just a choreographer. I'm the performer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or maybe it's just her dig at him saying, you're not Jerome Robbins. You're taking yourself so seriously. This guy, Brad, was on Broadway in one show, <laughs> winningly naive, and he thinks he's Jerome Robbins over here. Yeah. So, I mean, I think mostly probably Paris is just trying to show off mm -hmm. and get under Brad's skin. Boy, she's really up on her theater references. <laughs> Yeah, she is. <laughs> but kind of a fun excuse to talk about all these different people because I would not have known that all these people were connected to Broadway except, well, Brad says that you know, she's up on her theater references, but I don't know. Are they performers? Yeah. Are they choreographers? Are they... I, I don't know. Yeah. Now we do. Now we do. And, you know, side note, he does drop a Nathan Lane reference in there, saying he really isn't great to work with. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Which, side note, funny story, as we were planning this episode, I said, Kyla, you've definitely seen Nathan Lane in something. She Googled and she went, yep, I've seen him. <laughs> so if you don't know who Nathan Lane is, Google him. You've seen him. I want to be a producer. <laughs> That's a little hint for movie. you. But I know that line. I've never actually seen that one. I'm... He's gonna sit on me. <laughs> You're gonna sit on me. <laughs> That's a funny moment. So, Kyla? So, Taylor? That's our show? That's our show! That's entertainment. What was Ethel Merman's song? There's no business like show, it's like show business. business like no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should leave it to Ethel and Cheetah and Mary. Possibly. I don't know if Alan Jerome could sing. 
I don't either. Yeah. Not their jobs. <laughs> Not their jobs. If there's anything we missed, guess what? Kyle and I are not theater novices, but we're definitely not Broadway stars. So if there's anything we missed in our interpretation, let us know. Find us on Twitter at So It's a Show. Find us on Gmail at So It's a Show at gmail.com. With an email, you don't have to have Gmail to email us. FYI, that's how email works. And <laughs> you can find us tinyletter.com slash So It's a Show. So is a show podcast.tumblr.com. You can now listen to us on iHeartRadio in addition to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. What up? Oh, yeah. Links are in the description. So we'll talk at you all later. Here's a teaser for our next step. Because the show must go on. Stella! Who is that? Lorelai! What are you doing down there? Enjoying some air, getting some exercise, and freezing! Well, go home. Home? I have no home. Hunted, despised. What? It's from Ed Wood, the movie. Have you gone bonkers? He also choreographed Belay. Belays. <laughs> he also choreographed Belay. Bell. Oh my gosh. He also choreographed Bell. <laughs> oh my word! Ballets. Ballets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taylor, I'm sorry. Kyla, did he also choreograph <laughs> ballets? He did. But no one needs to know about those because musicals are so much more interesting. Then I'm really glad we brought it up. that work to say ballets you're like i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you okay friend <laughs> oh the tears oh man <laughs> oh, wow i love all of this <laughs> You Never love change. what? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>